Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. What's up, all you bitches and hoes? <laughs> Sometimes I do stuff just to see Derek's face. Uh, welcome to another episode of Screen Heroes. My name is Ray. Tonight we will be discussing Glass, the new movie from M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. And uh, I have my two regular hosts joining me, Ryan Hi. and Derek. Hi. If you are watching this on our video or live on Twitch, there is a cake on the table, and that is because it is my birthday. I am today years old, and we will be eating some cake uh, if we want to. Derek seems very apprehensive about it, but I think cake is a very quiet food, so it shouldn't be too bad. You know, there are worse things for us to eat. Sure, we're not eating, <laughs> you know, uh, what's what's the... Uh... Rock candy or glass. Or... I was thinking corn nuts. I do like to eat glass <laughs> occasionally. What? I do like to eat glass occasionally. You do? So I guess that I can forget about that for this podcast. Yeah. Even though we're talking about glass. Oh, you should have brought uh, glass for us to eat. That's true. Yeah. We could have showed off We could our... have done that sugar stuff that looks like glass. Or just real glass. Or just real glass. Yeah. I don't really want to eat real glass. I'd rather eat sugar. See, I love how nowadays freak shows are really good about just showing daredevils, people that have gotten used to that kind of thing. Better at showing daredevil than Netflix is. Uh, Waka But they eat glass and light bulbs and stuff, and, you know, I'm sure their colon looks amazing, but <laughs> kind of impressive. Um, yes, let's talk. Off the rails. Right. <laughs> it's my birthday. So we're actually, on the screen, heroes. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually recording on my birthday, so when you listen to this on Friday, it's not. She'll be old. Yeah. Older. I'm so much older. We'll all be older. That's true. It's, it's constant. All right. So, Glass <laughs> hit this weekend. Uh, however, it's been out for quite some time. Uh, the embargo was lifted. Critics have gotten to see it a lot earlier, and there's been a bunch of contests for early previews, so... Most of my friends have actually seen it prior to this weekend. Um, I don't know if that's the case for you all or not, but... Not that I've noticed. Yeah? Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Were you diving right into that, or is there some other stuff? Well, we've got some news first? that we yeah, can do. Yeah, absolutely. So, box office, glass one. Woo! Uh, come on. It was it was going to yeah. win. Like what well, was going to beat it. Yeah. Come on. Uh, the upside was number two. It's in its second week. Still did fairly well. But Dragon Ball Super Broly came in number three for the weekend totals, which is pretty impressive. I don't know if I've ever seen an anime film be in the top three box office. Pokemon. Yeah? The original. Oh, okay. That's fair. I bet that one took the box office. I don't know for sure, but I imagine it probably did. Yeah, Glass dominated just (laughs) compared to the other two. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It did better foreign 
than it did domestic, but about half and half. So worldwide, $89 million this weekend. Um, let's, let's go into some other news. What do you guys have? Shazam Gate? Shazam Gate. Shazam Gate. Lots of news. I I'm mean, gonna it's going to get like, man. it's going to get like this as the movie gets closer and oh, closer. it's so soft and tender. That's what she said. Um. Like a penis. <laughs> she, she didn't say that specifically. It's a little too forward, but. Okay, it's really good. Let's talk about Shazam. Okay. So, lots of stuff. Uh, last week we talked about the costume costing a million dollars. Each. Each. For all ten of them. Turns out... That's incredibly hyperbolic. Yes. And the director was like, well, I don't actually know the cost of the suits, but there's a lot that goes into them. Wah, wah. We all know that. And then there was another article that came out that said the suits actually cost like 100000 Which I sounds... I thought 600 but... It sounds a lot more reasonable than right. 100000 but... Oh, each hundred thousand each. Yeah. I'm sorry, I saw six hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand total, probably for all of the Shazam costumes for the movie. Now, right. if something so. costs that much, if you were to sell it on eBay, one million seems uh, right for the, your markup for, for labor and stuff. Costume, maybe. Yeah, exactly for a screen years costume. Yeah, uh, so that's a pretty good follow up to last week. But then we found out this week that the well, we didn't find the exact budget, but we were questioning the budget last week. We found out the budget is between eighty and ninety million. Which I know Derek loves budgets with movies, so I do. he found that I interesting. It, I find it really interesting because if you compare it to other uh, superhero films, especially DC films, movies like um, you know, Suicide Squad got one sixty-five, Aquaman got one eighty-five. If I if I remember correctly, that was last. It was one thirty-five. Aquaman needed a giant budget because the undersea stuff is so much more heavy CGI than. Shazam. You figure Shazam, Dr. Savannah, and anybody else of the Marvel family that may or may not be there are going to be CGI, but otherwise it takes place in a real world situation. They had to create their CGI characters as well as a CGI environment and a CGI creature. So, yeah, but Shazam suits cost a million dollars each. I just think the comparisons are are interesting. That's all. Um, For Glass, which we are reviewing tonight, um, it was. It only had a budget of twenty million, uh, all of which M Night Shyamalan put up himself, including some of his own property, to finance the film. Well, he has made it back between yeah, yeah. foreign and domestic. I mean, even just domestically, the domestic was forty something million yeah. opening weekend. So I mean, I mean, usually, yeah. a movie is a success at like three times its budget. So he's good. He's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'll be. He'll fine survive that, this. But, I mean, it's a risky thing to do. Sure. Right, you don't hear a lot of directors uh, doing that type of thing anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially when you know big box office films are getting two hundred million dollar budgets and things of that nature. That's not something. especially in the same genre of what the movie is that you're making. <laughs> right. yeah, so. so yeah, eighty ninety million is what the budget is for Shazam. Um, do you guys think Birds of Prey is going to have a bigger budget or a smaller budget? Than I that? think it depends on the cast. The cast for Birds of Prey is going to be a lot bigger. But aside from Canary... But the names aren't really that big. No. No, I think it's just a Of course, neither they, they aren't really in, uh, in Shazam either. No, it's, just it's Zachary Levi and... Mark Strong. Mark Strong is the biggest, yeah. I think, unless The Rock shows up. <laughs> I mean, if he does, it's going to be a pretty minor right. thing. Yeah, yeah. But his $10 million minimum charge. I, just, I don't think that's how it works. I think Birds of Prey will have less CGI, unless they do something like Suicide Squad. And uh, I think it'll 
it just it has a bigger cast so maybe they need to pay more people but maybe not as much i don't know so it could have a comparable budget and get away with it i i don't think it needs the plus 100 million right no i i definitely don't expect birds of prey to get that kind of i'm sure the joker you think it'll be less than shazam i i think it'll be in the ballpark of shazam um i because the heroes that they're using don't really require a lot of special effects anyway. Yeah, short of Black Canary. What kind of special well, effects her, are needed? You know, Canary her, Cry. Yeah, right. I, how they handle that. Yeah, but that's a pretty it low. It should impact. be visible, I think. But it, I mean, it's not like flying or right. It's not like the ocean, so I think they'll be fine. So I'm, I'm not really. I'm thinking maybe sixty to eighty million will be the budget for Birds of Prey. I'd be more concerned if they were going to do like a big crazy bad with a blue sky beam kind of thing. <laughs> They're having Tra- Enchantress back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then there was a teaser released there during the uh, during the football games this weekend, the foosball. Um, that was pretty cool. There was some new footage. Nothing. I mean, it was the thirty second spot, so it's not like you got a lot from it. But there was some new it stuff. Was cute. Yeah. Um, funny new jokes and then uh if you don't want spoilers you should probably pause this for a few seconds um well if they pause it and they unpause it, okay it mute it for a few seconds (laughs) um there's a pretty big spoiler reveal by funko today as as usual with the toys spoiling things but Mm -hmm. they essentially revealed that the shazam family from the comic books is going to be in the movie yeah um it's I mean, I don't see any way that that wasn't a direct confirmation, but I mean, and there it seems like they're going by the new 52 origin of yeah. Shazam, which that whole family has a lot to do in that, uh, in that comic. So, um, it seems that toys are spoiling a lot of stuff. Uh, Marvel just dropped some in game action figures and they're all wearing spacesuits. Yeah. And Valkyrie is one of the in game characters. So, it seems that toys are now the biggest source of spoilers, whereas a few years ago they weren't. It was usually journalists or key grips kind of ripping <laughs> off. That but to- yeah. toys are still a little weird. We had toys for BVS that never sh- had things that actually happened in the movies. You know, so we, we don't know that those spacesuits for Endgame were actually in the film. It could just be like an alternate thing that they're doing. Just like Lex never got his absolutely, armor, suit. and there's we've all seen characters cut from final film, mm-hmm. so there's no reason why we need to guarantee that the Marvel family is definitely in there, not just alluded to, or maybe it's a cut scene at the end, or like it probably would be like an ending scene. Yeah. I can't imagine it's going to be like a main part of the movie, right? But yeah, they'll probably like. All go to the wizard at the end and and get their field trip. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be cool. I mean, that's mm-hmm. uh, you get a lot of minority heroes uh, in that. that. Way, yeah. You know, there's an Asian uh, Asian character, little boy. Uh, right. There's yeah, a black, black girl. girl. Yeah. I mean, um, there's some good stuff. So it's and that's nothing new. They're not changing anything for no, the last uh, the two decades of the Captain Marvel Shazam comics. Yeah. They've had a very diverse cast, so we don't need to go crying on the internet about forced diversity. It's been like this for a while. You kid with disabilities. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds the, of, it's a lot of coverage. He's also yeah. the kid from It, and 
he, and, yeah. he was really good. So The New 52 is definitely going to be a big draw of inspiration for this movie because the new 52 was the first time they kind of relaunched the character in a way that completely ignored the name captain marvel 100 mm-hmm. percent um and they're not allowed to use the name captain marvel uh in the movies they're not actually allowed to use it in the comic books anymore either so this is a good story this is a good version of him to go off of because it's the first version of him that legitimately is separated from the captain marvel identity yeah it's great so, Oscar noms were dropped today. Nothing too surprising, in my opinion. It kind of mimics the Golden Globes. Um, I mean, I've got a, f- a few frustrations, but... Well, I know a lot of people are very frustrated at uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. A lot of people still don't think that movie deserves all the accolades. And I will forever stick by the fact that it's the movie that Queen wanted to make, wanted to portray. So deal with it. Yeah, I mean, none of the other movies that are nominated are really being beholden to some strict documentary code. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the Bohemian Rhapsody seems to be the only one that people are doing that to. But um, no, I'm not surprised that Bohemian Rhapsody is being nominated for things. My, my biggest gripe, I think, is best visual effects. Um, the, nom- the nominees for best visual effects are, uh, unsurprisingly, Avengers Infinity War, Ready Player One, and Solo, A Star Wars Story. And then is where things get weird with the final two, which are Christopher Robin and First Man. So this means movies like, say, Aquaman or Mortal Engines, which I know nobody saw, but from a visual, this is just straight visual effects, are being replaced by two very live-action heavy films. Well... I personally would remove Christopher Robin and replace it, even with just a Disney movie, Mary Poppins, because I thought the visual effects were done better. I thought there was more of it to, you know, get wrong. The visual effects in Christopher Robin are literally six stuffed animals walking around, and they look phenomenal, like you know, it, but it's, that's all that it is. Whereas exactly. You have a movie like Aquaman that has essentially entire alien worlds underwater with crazy creatures and, and things of that nature that I think, at the very least, beat out Christopher Robin and First Man. I'm not saying Aquaman deserves to win well, the award. First Man but... bothers me in a completely different way. So, when it comes to the Oscars, there's all all these trends for a long time. It was the white guilt movie would win a whole bunch of awards. Like the movie about slavery or segregation or whatever would win a ton of awards, either best picture or best director. And just a ton of the big stuff. And now it's anything that has to do with space gets nominated for visual and score. And it takes it home. It takes home all the technical stuff just yeah. because they did space, interstellar, <laughs> gravity, and now first man. It it never fails. And I'm like, we've been seeing this stuff since the 1970s with or 1969 with Kubrick in 2001. Like, sorry, Oscars, you missed your chance to nominate that. Now is not the time to make up for it. Like, and I think that's my problem with first man is that you know it's a it's about an event that happened in 1969. We, we know what everything looked like. We have people alive who were literally there. We can rebuild that stuff fairly easily. Yeah, like Buzz Aldrin gets to go to the awards because of this. There you go. 
So I don't know that that category has me just a little frustrated. Yeah. Um. I don't, I just don't think that those two films deserve to be nominated in that one category. A lot of people are really bothered that Solo's in there. I, I disagree. I that Castle Run yeah. scene. There's a lot you can complain about in that movie. Sure, I enjoyed it, but the visual effects on that Castle Run scene were really, really phenomenal. They were seamless. Beautiful. Like. The three of us nitpicked parts in Aquaman and parts in Black Panther, so I'm actually glad neither one of them were nominated for visual effects because we did kind of tear apart some of the CGI. But Solo was seamless. They put their budget where it needed to be, and it looked like nothing looked like a bad green screen moment, and I was very thankful for that. You can take any still scene or any still like shot from that Kessel Run scene, and I mean, it, you could make it like a wallpaper Mm-hmm. for your house and be gorgeous because everything they did there was beautiful. I mean, I'm of the opinion that Solo should win that award. Yeah, I don't disagree. I like that. That you would know. probably be my, my go-to. I don't think Avengers should win. I don't think no. so. Either. As good as the work that was, was on that. Infinity War special effects, visual effects, are definitely better than Black Panther's and Aquaman's, yeah. but I still think Solo's was really just fantastic. It, it was. It was beautiful. It might have been the sharpest of the even just the star wars films in general which is a big statement to make um but i didn't see any technical visual issues in solo right you know you don't like the story fine you don't like the actor fine but that's from a visual effects perspective it was pretty perfect um all right so the other category i want to talk about is best animated feature why is that well i'm not for a negative reason i am very happy that uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was nominated here. I had some personal and anime concerns. is also nominated, which is the first time we've seen a foreign film added to the American list. Yeah. And so I, that's cool, too. I didn't see that one. Um, I haven't seen Isle of Dogs uh, either. I'm kind of hoping to see both of these uh, relatively soon. But of the three I've seen, Incredibles 2, Wreck-It Ralph 2, and Into the Spider-Verse, I, I think Into the Spider-Verse is better um, there's a small part of me here that I, I know maybe it's kind of a wishful thinking type of thing, but you know, animated films have been nominated for Best Picture before. Part of me thinks Into the Spider-Verse deserved a Best Picture nomination simply because of how much it does for the genre of animation. It is a pretty big leap forward in how it's done. I wouldn't be upset if it got that. but no, I'd be much happier if that got in than, than one of our current best picture nominees so so that maybe that's that's the next one then to talk about would be our best yeah, our best picture. best picture so best picture gets eight uh eight movies nominated which is the largest category i think they've yeah, done 10 one year they've done um so it's always more than five now and fives are usual and uh they've never done more than 10 but they kind of just want to acknowledge every great film that uh, happened that year so, just in strict alphabetical order, the nominees are Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Um, I would have taken out Vice. I would have put If Beale Street Could Talk mm. on there. Um, it, I'm pretty sure Roma's going to win, which would be Netflix's first best picture win and this is its first nomination too um black panther i feel was a great movie and the way it reflects society the things it dealt with in there 
was pretty wonderful, pretty deep. But I also feel like the Golden Globes, the PGAs, the um, DGAs, the Critics' Choice has pressured the Oscars to put it in and recognize it for Best Picture, which seems a little unfair, but... Not surprising. The Oscars are the most uptight awards to come out in any year, and they kind of bow to pressure a lot of the time. So one thing worth pointing out, we talk about critic scores and Rotten Tomatoes and things like that a lot. And it is interesting that of these eight, Black Panther is the highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I think the three of us agree that it does have problems, and while it might be one of the better superhero movies, it probably doesn't stand toe-to-toe with the Oscar bait stuff that's on this list, like Black Klansman and Green Book. Well, hold on. Black Klansman wasn't Oscar bait. Spike Lee has made over 10, 15 films, and he's never been nominated. True. He just assumes at this point... Like, he makes the stories he wants to. He doesn't assume he'll get nominated. Okay, but me, I will say that, that Green Book is total Oscar bait. And, I guess um, what I mean is there's a certain the kind of film that tends to get nominated yeah. for Best Picture. And Black Klansman is the kind of film that tends to be nominated, Spike Lee aside, right? If somebody else had made that movie, I don't, we wouldn't be surprised if it had been nominated yeah. for Best Picture. Right. I'm really surprised that Vice is getting where it's going. Not a lot of people like it. They're saying that it has great performances, but the story is just really dumb. See, I actually expect it to win Best Picture. God, that would suck. Because of the way the Oscars work. The Oscars are a very political thing, and Vice is a satirical commentary on the Bush administration and Dick Cheney and the atmosphere that we're currently in would support a satirical look at that type of thing. I don't know. The past two wins kind of lead me to believe that Black Klansmen and Roma are the front runners. Roma wouldn't shock me because you're right. I mean, they, they really did very well at the Golden Globes. Um, Black Klansmen would be very interesting to see because Spike Lee has been in the industry for a very long time and has never truly been recognized mm-hmm. the way he probably deserves to be. Um, I'm in the, the sad position of not seeing most of these movies. So I'm, I'm basing a lot of, of that off of things that I've read about the movies. But um... Well, my issue is Black Panther got a ton of nominations. It's not going to win one. It's really not. You don't think it's going to win any? I don't. I think it's going to be completely snubbed like it was at Golden Globes. It's interesting. I mean, it was nominated seven times, if I remember correctly. And 11 or 14 at Golden Globes. Didn't pick up one out of 14? Like, it was the most nominated film? I think it's going to be completely snubbed because I think the favorite's going to get costume and um, some of the other technical awards that it's up for. Well, that's the problem. So for, for Best Costume Design, not only the favorite, but uh, Mary Queen of Scots is also up. And those period pieces yeah, they always usually win, win that award. Right. Um, So even though superhero stuff is equally as technical, coming mm -hmm. from a cosplayer who's made both period ball gowns and superhero suits, and you know you've got best original song, but I imagine that a Star Is Born, Shallow, is probably going to win that, and that'll be the only award that that a Star Is Born is going to get, even though Bradley Cooper deserves. Now there is best original score, which is interesting because it's. Um, Black Panther, Black Klansman, If Beale Street Could Talk, Isle of Dogs, and Mary Poppins Returns. And from a score perspective, Marvel has done a very good job 
of getting solid composers for their movies. The score in Marvel films is, is overlooked a lot by, I think, the average audience member, but I, it might have a good opportunity to win that category. I don't really remember the score, so it's hard to say. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, none of the Marvel scores are really memorable to me. So, other than Avenger, the Avengers score. Wow, yeah. Alan Silvestri, kind of, you know. Yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, Fair enough. I don't really stand out. But that probably is the only category that I would estimate that it would win in. You know, there's always the, the best sound mixing and sound editing categories, which throw me off a little bit. You know, A Quiet Place was nominated for sound editing, but not mixing. I, I, I don't know. I have a hard time differentiating those two categories personally. And I have a feeling that the old white guys sitting on the <laughs> Academy probably do too. <laughs> but Black Panther was nominated in both of those categories, so maybe it could win one of those. I mean, maybe it picks up one technical award, but... Because the there's no war movie. Yeah. Without a war movie in those... Ca- usually the war films to pick up the sound editing categories. Well, was First Man nominated? So, it was. Space first, movies also get... First Man was nominated in both categories as go. well. First Man's gonna get... <laughs> I think the bigger deal for the Best Picture nom is that now that's the first... It's not the first superhero movie, but it's the first Marvel movie. Isn't it the first superhero is movie? It, wasn't the Dark Knight nominated? Yeah. It was not. not? The best Picture. Okay. The well, then maybe it is the first superhero that movie. the Dark Knight picked up, not even costumes, not even sound, was uh, Heath Ledger. Okay. And it, I maintain it's because he passed away a month before the Oscars. I don't think it would have happened. Maybe not. But in this case, now Marvel can say that they, you know, they can stamp that Oscar yep. Best Picture nominee. Uh, and that's what every single movies. one of those movies are going to do. We're going to pick yeah. up Blu-rays and DVDs and see posters, and it'll say sure. Oscar nominated or yeah. It is a weird situation, right? Where I, I love Black Panther. I think it's phenomenal. I gave it an A rating when we reviewed it last year. Um, but it does kind of feel like they're nominating the movie to just kind of get everybody to back off yep. to say, look, we nominated it. It's nominated. Well, it's, it's nominated for a lot of reasons. One, because for years people have wanted other superhero movies yeah. or other blockbusters nominated. Two, there's always the social justice. What, two, three years ago, there was the hashtag Oscars so white because oh, yeah. they didn't recognize any black artists, black films, or, you know, God forbid we recognize any other people of color. So I think those two have a lot to deal with it as well. I think that's why for me personally, I think it would have meant more sincerity. It would have felt more sincere if Into the Spider-Verse got the nomination instead. Because it is a primarily uh, black crew cast that was involved in that movie. And I personally think it was the best movie of 2018 that I saw of the 30 films I saw in 2018. It was certainly better than Black Panther um, right? and, and Avengers. So, you know. Yeah, see, I, I kind of have the not the opposite opinion, but I think that uh, Black Panther was not that great, really. <laughs> I mean, I think that people give it a lot of extra credit because of uh, the things it did, the societal impact. But well, as a I mean, movie and a story... I thought Wonder Woman was a better movie, but... I completely forgive the crappy CGI at the beginning and the end because the story is more important to me. So that's kind of how I feel about Black Panther. I look over the technical issues of giant fucking rhinos and a really bad train scene. Well, that's the thing. My my problems with Black Panther are just technical. 
right? They're the, they're the bad green screen stuff. It's the the CGI and the fight scene at the end. But you know, like Wonder Woman's end villain is pretty terrible. Oh yeah, right. Absolutely. But Killmonger is, I think, the best villain they, in the MCU. And I thought Michael B. Jordan did a good enough job in both. Uh, Black Panther and Creed 2 this year to get nominated for something. Like. Well, they're, they're, I mean, look, yes, the original Rocky is a best picture, but since then, those that franchise has not been taken as I seriously know, they, as it should. They um, awarded Sly the best supporting actor two years ago, three years ago. and I think that was more of a honorary, yep. like, thank you for everything you've done in the industry type yep, of thing. Please go away. Uh, but Michael B. Jordan... Yeah, I, I really feel like he should have. If Black if Black Panther is worthy of a Best Picture nomination, it's probably because of Michael B. Jordan's performance as Killmonger. So he probably deserves that nomination more than the movie does. But I'd agree with that. You know, um, but again, like that's that's the thing. I don't think the Academy truly believes in the movie. I think they just don't want the backlash that we probably would be seeing today if it hadn't been nominated. So there's one more thing I want to talk about before we cut to our break and then switch over to glass. And that is won't you be my neighbor was snubbed. It did not make best documentary. Oh, you know what? I didn't even look at the documentaries. Uh, Well, we don't usually see a lot of documentaries and it's very important to me this year that we saw this one because it was beautiful and it's about one of the most genuine kind mans like people want to ask nowadays what's the opposite of toxic masculinity well you know mr rogers is in that category he's just a really good guy and he did a lot of great things for this world including fight for public funding for television programs and stuff like that so it was completely snubbed and that was that that truly bothered me because I walked out of that film feeling so uplifted and, you know, I'm dead inside, so it's difficult to get me to feel stuff. Yeah, it's it's tough. That category is always hard for me because I don't watch a lot of documentaries. And so while that movie was phenomenal, I don't have anything to compare it to in the same genre. So for all I know, there are five other movies that are better even. I, I don't know. I can't say. Are we going to break up on my birthday? No. It seems unnecessary. Before we go to break, there is one more thing I want to talk about. We neglected to it. talk about it last week, and it's had oh, a little bit of development thank you. last yeah, week. Let's thank do you. Um, Jason Reitman, son of Ivan Reitman, famously of Ghostbusters and many other wonderful films, um, announced that he's been secretly working on a Ghostbusters script and doing a new movie um, that's a direct sequel to Ghostbusters Two? I don't know if he said that specifically, but it's the old movies. Because mm-hmm. um, the game came out, and that was kind of a... It was supposed to be Ghostbusters 3. But, um, yeah, and then they released a teaser, like, the next day. Not anything that gives really anything away, but it shows the original Ecto and some proton pack noises and some Ecto slime and whatnot. So, uh, you know, that was kind of cool. And then there was a bunch of controversy about um, a tweet by one of the 2016 Ghostbusters mm-hmm. that yeah. it's basically been getting a lot of uh, attention over the last week. So. Which I think is unfair if you don't read the whole conversation, because the whole Twitter thread was very revealing and in information. So taking her one tweet, uh, Leslie Jones's tweet, is kind of unfair when you look at everything. And I, I try to read whole threads now because just one tweet, unless it's a comedy tweet, is kind of not very fair. But 
Yeah. Uh, well, the, the main gist of the tweet, if you haven't read it, is something along the lines of, uh, it's kind of not cool that they didn't, you know, that they're just disregarding the 2016 Ghostbusters movie and that, you know, they haven't talked to any of the those Ghostbusters about anything. And um, She doesn't appreciate being erased. And I, I get where she's coming from. None of us here at this table are going to say it was a good movie. It wasn't a bomb like people wanted it to be. It wasn't like the worst film we've ever seen. It was mediocre at best and, you know, whatever. It is starting to be a trend to to have these these sequel throwbacks to franchises that have gone in different directions. Terminator is doing that this year. In this summer, we will see a new Terminator movie that ignores 3, 4, and 5 and is a direct sequel to Terminator 2. Um, it's a little unfair to some of the actors that, you know, they, they work like six months on a film, maybe longer, and they're being told, well, what you did doesn't matter. Well, I mean, I don't think it's really unfair. They're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to be on a film set. And, and in some know, cases, millions. Yeah, it's, it is I like, it's... I understand what she, where she's coming from. It, it sucks that they had this plan in place, and I'm sure the actors involved were aware that there was a plan to make this a franchise, right? I'm sure a sequel was the goal. Amelia Clark also didn't take the same kind of abuse that Leslie Jones did. I mean, that wasn't where I was going no, with that. No, I, I my, my point was more of, it's. I know that it's it's it makes sense to be disappointed that this franchise you thought you were going to be a part of is not going in that direction anymore. That sucks. And I feel bad for the people involved for that. But I only feel so bad because there are countless films and TV shows that start production, do a pilot, whatever, that get shelved and end up in development hell or cancellation. And nobody ever on. sees it. Right. And, and and sometimes you do. You know, you got shows like, like Almost Human, for example, I thought was an incredible sci-fi series mm-hmm. with two really amazing lead actors in it. And, um, you know, it got chopped up, put in different in a different order, confused everybody, and was immediately canceled. Right. And, you know, I guess they didn't go out to social media because there wasn't a new Almost Humans that replaced them. But it's not it's not abnormal for something like this to happen. No, and the thing is, she she tweeted this, like, a day or something, or two days after the announcement. They hadn't contacted any of the original Ghostbusters that are still alive either so it's not like i mean i'm sure they did say that they were just doing a sequel to that one and that had nothing to do with this one but they didn't say that like that 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 is not relevant in the universe or anything at all like they they could have there could have been some throwaway that says you know maybe seeing the the stuff in new york in this movie inspired the kids of the original ghostbusters to like try and fix up the equipment or something well look for all for all we know there's uh, some type of plan in place to do what the original plan for the evil dead movies was Now, this didn't end up happening, but when there was the Evil Dead, quote, reboot, it was actually supposed to, if you watch the the post-credit scene, uh, you know, Bruce Campbell's ass shows up at the end. The idea was that there was going to be a sequel to that movie, there was going to be a Army of Darkness sequel, and then a a tie-in film where the two universes collide with each other. Maybe they're, you know, these can exist in, in concert with each other. Star Trek has that now. Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Beyond are not in the same timeline. But they can exist at the same but time. But they can exist at the same time. So while I get the, her frustration, being so publicly angry about it is only going to hurt her. Yeah, and now I mean now she's definitely not going to get asked to join. I mean, it's certainly going to be a harder conversation. Yeah. Right? Because she went and attacked the only people who probably 
could help her get the, the role now. So, like, I'm on her side in the sense of it sucks to be in her position, but I definitely think she hurt her own position by publicly acting the way she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. th- there's been rumors about what the movie is going to be about. Supposedly, it's going to be four teenagers, two boys, two girls. Um, and that supposedly the, the rumors in the Ghostbusters boards, I'm sure you can imagine, are crazy. But they, <laughs> there's a reference in one of the real Ghostbusters episodes to Ray's parents having a farm. And since the teaser took place in a barn, that, yeah. um, they think that that's Ray's barn. And when the Ghostbusters finished Ghostbusters 2 and kind of... Uh, they retired. Took care of that. They retired, and all the equipment was went and sat in a barn. And once one of their kids trying to repair it, or Ray trying to repair it, right? Who knows? I mean, that's the thing. Like we don't like yeah, we don't know anything. There's about been it. a thousand articles about how the original Ghostbusters are confirmed to be in this movie, all because Ernie Hudson said they'd be willing, yeah. to do the movie. But I'm willing to be in it too. Me too. Yeah, I mean, write an article about that. I'll <laughs> join know? up. But there's it's a big difference between wanting to be in a movie and being asked to be in a movie. Yeah. yeah, so he's basically, well, I mean, he hasn't been erased from the universe, but as far as he knows, his character's not coming back in this movie, so he's in only almost the same position as Leslie Jones is, so. Right, so for all we know, this is a third cast. Yeah. You know, that that ignores both other casts, We, you know, completely. Yes, this It seems one, unlikely that that's going to happen, but. But we don't know to what extent. Right. You know, because we there's know. There's no information. Bill really. Murray has never been super excited about doing a third movie. You know, yeah, he did the 2016 one. So on the well, for a couple reasons. One, (laughs) it was his idea to do the all female cast. He had a completely different cast in mind. Kristen Wiig was the only person that crossed over, but also because um, they guaranteed he'd be killed off. Which was a joke he made on one of the late night shows long before the movie was made. Was that he'd be willing to do it if they killed him in the first reel? Yeah, right. And I mean. You know, we don't have reels anymore, but they killed him off. And his his assumption, like ours, was that, well, there'll be a sequel and he won't be in that. And they'll just continue onward. Um, now, we are like 40 minutes into this podcast and we haven't even gotten to yeah, our main so topic. Let's take our small break. When we come back, it's time for Glass. Hey, everyone. This is Greg from Red Shirts and Runabouts. We're the resident Star Trek podcast as part of the Heroes Podcast Network group. If you love Star Trek and things science fiction, we're definitely the show for you. Join us every Thursday as we talk about Star Trek Discovery, the new Picard show, and other ongoing content and new creations from the Star Trek universe. If you want to find us, search Red Shirts and Runabouts podcast on Apple and Google Play. And if you want to interact with us as a host, you can find us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter. Hey everyone, welcome back. We have spent quite a bit of time reviewing things uh, that happened this week and last week. So now we are going to review Glass, which came out this weekend. This is your spoiler warning from here on out. We're just going to dive into absolutely everything. Everything's on the table. Pause us. Come back after you watch Glass. Let us know if you have similar thoughts or if you hate our guts. Okay, guys. So one quick cool thing. It has already broken 100 million worldwide. Cool. So that's a pretty good return on your $20 million investment. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so for those who may not know, Glass is the sequel to both Split and Unbreakable, 19 years after the original Unbreakable in real time. Um, so these are all connected. It would probably behoove you to rewatch Unbreakable and watch Split before you see Glass, though I'm not sure I would say it's required. They kind of explain who everybody is. Yes. Um, 
So I guess I can dive right in and say I was pleasantly surprised by this movie because I did not care for Split. Uh, McAvoy, I think, is really just fantastic in both films. Being able to switch between those roles so quickly and so often is is really fantastic. I mean, it's clearly something I don't think any of us at this table can do. Um, but I didn't really like the movie Split. I thought the story was kind of dr- drug on. It took a really long time. I felt like it was never going to end. Whereas with this one, I was just very occupied. I found it really interesting. It kept me engaged uh, throughout the whole thing. So I was really pleasantly surprised with it. Right. I am on the opposite end of the spectrum. You didn't like it? It was fine. Like, it wasn't bad, but it was just, without diving into it too much, it was really slow in the middle. Uh, Did you like Split? I did like Split, and I liked Unbreakable. This was the weakest film in the franchise for me. All right, question. Uh When was the last time you watched Unbreakable? Um, I watch it pretty much every year. So you really? Sometime okay. in the last year. I really liked Unbreakable before I knew that it was going to be a trilogy or anything. Sure. I just, I, something about watching that film when it first came out, it stuck with me. And so I've, I've watched it quite a bit since it came out. Maybe that's my problem. I hadn't watched it in probably about 10 years. Uh, I remember loving it. I really, that's why I own it. Um, but I, I found Unbreakable to be kind of rough to get through. Just the... The way it was shot, the pacing just kind of dro- kind of. You can felt definitely sluggish. tell it's, it's M Night Shyamalan in his infancy as a yeah. filmmaker. Um, I I think that the pacing is a lot as a a problem with M Night Shyamalan <laughs> films in general. They always feel like they're dragging on for part of the movie, at least, and mm-hmm. this movie was no exception to that. Um, I mean, again, without getting into the specific story stuff, yeah, I didn't really love it. It was fine, uh, but. It was not anything that I would probably go watch again. Right? Yeah, I didn't like Unbreakable or Split. So, um, I enjoyed Glass a little bit better. But I think overall Shyamalan is just not a director for me. I think his film techniques, his actual cinematography is super pretentious. I think his symbolism is not very symbolic and more on the nose like little kids could point it out um and i think that he relies too heavily on his actors to elevate a mediocre story because i have zero issues with jackson mcavoy and willis well i mean willis was anytime he's in a movie these days it seems like it's getting phoned in but to what extent to what extent you know it seemed like he cared more about this than he did the last few diehards i mean mcavoy mcavoy was great in split and i think he was great in this but i also think a lot of that is because the other two actors one was acting like he was in a coma for 90 percent of the movie the other one was basically in a coma for 90% of the movie. Bruce Willis it looked like he might as well have been in a coma. Um, which is fine. This, his character, that, that's, that's the way his character was in Unbreakable. And yeah. it, so, I mean, it fits the character, but it is kind of boring to watch, you know. That's kind of my, my problem, though, I think, because I haven't rewatched Unbreakable. I don't have that. So I thought, okay, it. so I thought you watched uh, rewatched Unbreakable and Split. I did. Before this. Oh, okay. I did, but it had you been have, probably okay. 10 years since I had seen Unbreakable. Because I, I saw it when it first came out. Saw it well after that when I bought it on DVD, and then I haven't seen it since. So I've only seen it two or three times. For the record, this past week was the first time I had seen either of those films. 
Yeah, and I had not seen Split. This this week was my first time watching Split. Um, I just missed it. I actually wanted to see it, especially when I found out it was going to connect to Unbreakable. Um, because I, I still love the story of Unbreakable, and I, I really do... I like this trilogy. I like where it ends up. I like that it took 19 years because it's it feels like it makes sense, even if it was, you know, not necessarily on purpose. Um, but I don't know. I, I like the story. I, I was thrown by a few things. I guessed that uh, the, the doctor was going to be a bad guy. I just didn't guess how she was going okay. to be a bad so guy. So we're going to get into that. Yeah, let's, let's do talk this about is, Dr. Ellie One Staple. of my favorite... One of my biggest problems with the entire movie is the way it ends. You're shown this clover, right, on somebody's wrist. And there's a huge, like, dramatic shot of this clover, <laughs> which means nothing. Because it's never been referenced anywhere in the franchise, right? right. They kill off the three main characters. Yeah. And then, at the very end, whammo, Mr. Glass got him. But nobody gives a shit because we just found out they existed five minutes ago right and i ha I don't care anything for these people and they killed off the only characters that i liked so and i i don't give a shit if they're brought to light and what they're doing yeah and who cares yeah it, the clover thing threw me off so much because the first time you see it is on the sniper's wrist when he shoots uh when he shoots kevin um and my first thought was it, was it was so out of left field. My first thought was, is this a Cloverfield movie? No, wait, that's J.J. Abrams. Yeah. <laughs> because it didn't, it didn't fit. And then you keep seeing this Clover thing. And I thought that that was weird. And maybe, maybe you have a point. Maybe I didn't guess the twist because it also was just so shoehorned in it and didn't have any reason to, like, there was no possible way to guess it because it didn't exist. Yeah. And there's no way anybody would have known about it. And, like, when they killed Kevin, uh, the, that personality... It's not really that impactful because Kevin has only been the personality you've seen for like three minutes or something of the entire a bit of movies he's in. Yeah, it would have been much more heartbreaking had it been Hedwig, the nine-year-old. Sure, a lot or more even, people even were Dennis or Barry would, would have been more Dennis would have been good since by the end he was done with the Beast. He was tired of being the beast or seeing patricia in that situation i think could have been very interesting too but those she are the, wouldn't want no, Hedley would have been the best but, one i think but either way like those three are the ones we spend most of our time yeah. with and they're the ones we're most attached to right. you know it's not nearly as sad mr glass whatever he he's the villain so it's not too surprising that he dies kevin you're not really attached to he's also a villain but then they have they kill off the overseer bruce willis david dunn and make his son watch him, watch them drown his How dad in a puddle. How did he not see them actually murder him? Because like they did, he did. He did. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure that he was there the whole time because he's right when like he stops yeah. moving or whatever, and they flip him over. His son's right there. So. Now that that whole death scene of Dunn doesn't really make a lot of sense. First, you get to see the big pothole when the the, the pool breaks. Yeah, as right? foreshadowing. Right. Yeah. So of course, I'm like, that's what I'm saying. Like his cinematography is clunky and. It's not slick anymore. Sixth Sense was slick. This I, was just—I don't know that he's ever been slick. I'm not sure I could ever use that term to define him because even in Unbreakable, like my, my biggest problem with Unbreakable is how it's shot. It's shot kind of clunky. I feel like 
Shyamalan can write good stories and have great ideas, but like Nolan needs to shoot them. Like, <laughs> but then you're gonna have to. See, I don't think he really has. I don't think he really has that great of ideas. At least not the way he ended this movie. Because you know, if you watch any of the press junkets, which I watched some this afternoon, and, and some of those things for this movie, he's like, I've known this is how it's gonna end for 20 years. It's like you really this felt not. like it was so like okay, guys, what can we do now? That's gonna be a twist. I, I feel like Split came to him in, like, a masturbatory fever dream one day, and he was like, you know what? This would kind of work with Unbreakable, and the connection is cool. I like that they're unsuspecting, slightly better humans. Like, maybe they're not superheroes. Sure, that's the entire concept exactly. of Unbreakable, yeah, and that's I, why I was drawn to it. I love that idea. The I parallel really to- do. The parallel to action comics is a, is a big deal because the original incarnation of Superman isn't the one we have today. He couldn't fly. He didn't have heat vision. Or right? ice breath. Or he was just a very strong person who could cellophane jump. Cellophane S's. Right? Like, so that's the thing. Like, these guys are, like, the original comic book heroes. Yeah. Right? They're not the exaggerated versions. I mean, what, what Elijah says is accurate. Right? He's, he's basically... You know, he's the exposition for the whole trilogy, really, yeah. at the end of the day. Now, um, his storyline was a little bit better for me because it was the only one that was slightly logical. And I do like how he planned to reveal all of themselves to the world. I loved how um, he went ahead and killed that uh, orderly. Like, that was really creative and uh, how he's been avoiding his meds. I thought his storyline, I wanted him to speak up a lot sooner. I hated that the movie's called Mr. Glass and we spend the first 50 minutes without him saying anything. That was frustrating. But I thought the most, the most interesting part of the movie for me was them almost convincing uh, the, uh, the beast character, well, whatever James McAvoy's character and the overseer that they don't have any powers. That, so but they good. that only lasted for like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, because even Patricia became to started questioning, questioning it. Yeah, right. Her who's like the leader was questioning things, and Dunn's all his was a little bit easier because he questioned things from the beginning. Right. It was his son who really convinced him that it was like this real thing, and I don't. Part of me thinks that Dunn's character didn't really want to believe it. Yeah. He'd rather just be a regular guy who could just go home. Um, but the well, Kevin character is is really the interesting one. Um, I think maybe that maybe that's the problem, is that the most interesting character is the McAvoy characters, and they're only in Split and this, so they're not even from the beginning. Um, and McAvoy's performance is, I, I think, maybe what I'm focusing on the most because that, that's a very difficult task that he was able to accomplish. Sure, and a, and a great performance can take a mediocre movie and make it good, or a good movie and make it great. You know, a performance like that. But, but I don't. I think in this movie, it made a mediocre movie good, maybe. Um, but I don't. I mean, that didn't sell sell the movie that much more for me. He, he's great, and his acting was great. The character is interesting, but. You know, it was just not that not that great of a movie. The ending was bad. You the twist was bad. Me. Like I left the theater really happy with the movie. Like, don't get me wrong. When I saw so, you comment that you thought it was the best of the trilogy, I wanted to say something. So I still bad. think it's the best of the trilogy, I, but okay. that's because I really don't like Split. I don't think Split's very good. Um, I can understand that. My rewatch of Unbreakable was very disappointing. 
um, I found myself because I, I, I guess maybe I had built Unbreakable up in my head over the years, remembering how much I liked it when it first came out. And I just found it very slow, very boring and shot in an awkward way. And I ended up not really enjoying it very much. And then not liking Split much at all. This movie felt so much better compared to those two experiences. Well, I'm not trying to bring you down, but I just don't <laughs> think that it was that great of a movie. And Here's I think most critics, they, if you look out there, I mean... This is pretty... It's pretty roughly received. Um, but, like, as far as the internet's concerned, I feel like it, what we're going through right now is a pretty common argument. Fans either love it or hate it, and I've seen both from critics as well. More negative from critics, since that's just who they are and what they do. Yeah, and I didn't hate it. Like, right, of course I, not. I, I mean, it was fine. It was not... It was the weakest of the trilogy, but it was still nice seeing those characters back. And, you know, the some, the slowest part was also somewhat interesting to me. It just felt like they couldn't focus on on any one thing. It had to move to this next thing. That mm-hmm. Like, the, the therapy sessions were very slow. Um, Even though I feel like they didn't spend enough time on it. <laughs> right, because, I mean, it was interesting, right? And, I mean, the, the convince, if they had done more with the convincing them that they weren't actually super-powered and that all this was in their head, you know, then that, I think that would have... See, my, my, my big problem with that stuff is, like, so, in Dunn's case, um, all you gotta do is be like, alright, fine, you think you're super strong, here, bend this or lift this or give them something that should be impossible. But right. if you get in his head first and you convince him he can't, then you put a piece of steel in his hand and he can't do it. And that ends up being the whole point of the movie. And I think maybe that's what I found interesting was that there would be this organization that isn't trying to be good or bad, but is trying to keep this, the, 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 the playing field level because it, it harkens back to the Batman concept of... You know, you had regular villains, you had, you know, robbers and, and criminals, and then you had Batman. So now you've got Joker and the Riddler, and you keep escalating, right? So the idea that an organization would want to stop that is interesting to me. I find that to be pretty fascinating. It's just they didn't handle the secret society thing well at all. It should have been in Split. It should have been in Yeah, or the Clover Tattoo. Put that somewhere, anywhere else in the Fuck. entire trilogy, because it just meant nothing. It was okay. meant to be a well, dramatic that's, that's moment. the problem, though, Fuck when you're tattoo, making... the tattoo, though. Like, tattoos are identifying marks. Criminals avoid... Secret society, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> criminals avoid tattoos for that reason sometimes. Like... Have That's a, our argument with the Joker from Suicide Squad. Brooch but. or a wallet clip or, but like a tattoo. Somebody like. That's not even the worst part, though. The uh, worst part is. What kind of secret society that's been around for thousands of years doesn't have a fucking bunker or something? <laughs> Instead, they just meet in a restaurant and wait for all the normal people to leave and then yep. get really quiet. And then, like, what, are the wait staff at these restaurants in on it? Like, what, how does they this must, work? I assume they just own the restaurant, like like the old speakeasies, you know? And like It's and just a like really that. weird thing. But, but my, even my, the old speakeasies, most of them were, like, built underground. Well, that's because and of they had co-words. That, that and, was because of right. prohibition, though. But I think that the big problem here is this movie suffers from the fact that while, yes, I believe that Shyamalan intended to make a trilogy when Unbreakable was made, he had no clue where he was going with it. What was going to happen yeah. after Unbreakable. I think it was all supposed to be focused on David Dunn. Probably originally, yeah. to some extent, him and Glass, him and Elijah, right? I'm well, sure maybe that that... he would have gotten new villains since Elijah is locked up in a criminal uh, institution. Like, it... I mean, maybe. He said he spent. Like, but that, we don't know that that's where it would have gone back then. 
Right, because at the end right. of the movie, he hasn't actually even been arrested at the end of the movie. No, that's so, not true at in all. Unbreakable? It, they have the paragraph, the epilogue oh, right, paragraph, they, yeah, they say, that yeah, says sorry. that he spent time in a criminal institution. I forgot. I hate that. I hate when they end a movie like that, and it's not a true story. You know? Like, I get that if you're, like, following, like, actual real-life people. I think it's really good for high school films. Oh, God. I hate that. That's one of my least favorite ways to end a movie. It's like, you ran out of time. Quick, what happens? <laughs> like, you couldn't have had a couple more scenes or show some images of, like, him in court or something like that. Like, you can't give me anything. Um, but anyway, beside the point. The point is that Shyamalan didn't know where this was going. Clearly. So he, couldn't, he couldn't plant any seeds of this organization because it didn't occur to him that that's what it was going to be yet. And in Split, I'm not necessarily convinced that he knew that it was going there either. Because if he did, why wouldn't he? Well, yeah, there's no reason why the doctor couldn't have also... Dr. Fletcher, she could have had that stupid tattoo. Can you imagine if somebody in Unbreakable had had that Clover tattoo and, you know, people that were mega fans were like, what? They focused on this for two seconds. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? And then we had 20 years of people trying to figure out what this is. That would have been more impactful. That would have been... Oh, of course. Because then you're like, when you see it in this, you're like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or in Split, you happen to see like a little glance of somebody when they're reaching out for something, you know, and you just have that... Because then you would have been like, that tattoo, I feel like I've seen that somewhere. And then the David Dunn reveal at the end, Mm -hmm. you know, would have been like, no shit. But now it's like, okay, we got a secret organization. It's a payoff that has no... Uh, reward to it there's no well all right there's no emotional connection like now i feel like there's gonna be a fourth movie called the black clover and it'll be about this stupid it secret feels like society. it's setting up it felt like this all three movies well i don't know this movie felt like it was setting up more movies but does that mean the other two movies were setting up those movies also and no. that invalidates those movies like i, I don't i feel like here's how it feels it feels to me, it feels that he now knows what he wants to do, but it's too late to do it with Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. So, he so he's resetting the clock, and now we're going to move forward with this. And now that the world knows that this organization exists, this organization's probably going to be a little more predatory, a little more uh, aggressive about things. And we might, may, maybe he's going to go the route of like some type of like superhuman underground type situation where these people with abilities are trying to stay hidden from this group because this group's now going straight out to kill them rather than trying any tricks. As much as I want to see what Shyamalan has in mind for other basic or kind of superpowers, that would be really cool. I feel like anymore and he treads straight into X-Men territory. A hundred percent. Like, that's the only comparable group in my head where they've had secret societies and churches and people continually after the heroes, groups of people that hate the heroes and try to bring them down and try to control them. So, you know, even what you're describing, it's the Morlocks. Like, you just described the entire run of the Morlock series, uh, so I feel like he's just going to copy off of some stuff, and at that point, why not hire Shyamalan to just make the next X-Men movie? See, that's well, the thing about Unbreakable, was that it was kind of before it's before the comic book movie time, so, I, yeah, I mean, it definitely kind of opened the gates to, to, for people to see what, what could be done. 
So if this movie was back then, then I'd probably be more excited to see what the future well, you brought. Think Unbreakable is 99. Yeah. Right? So if he had followed, you know, a cadence and you had had 99, 2001, and then 2003, this movie would have been out right in the height of the X-Men X-Men, trilogy. yeah, exactly. And it would have been in those conversations. It wouldn't be, we wouldn't be talking about it being a ripoff of X-Men as much as it being in parallel to X-Men. No, right. and I'm she not wouldn't talking be saying about coming... X-Men movies. I'm talking well, about X-Men comics. Comic like, he is... Okay, Any as, further edition would rip off X-Men comics. Okay, well, as, as somebody who has never read X-Men comics, I came up with that idea without reading them. So, like, My my point is, Shyamalan has read comics. Glass's entire well, sure. character is filled with comics knowledge, and he knows what he's talking about. His, that idea coming from him is a ripoff of what other people have done. I almost mean, verbatim. Maybe. I, I, I feel like... It's a much more grounded thing. You don't have people with telekinesis and turning into ice and, you know, You clearly haven't read the Morlocks. Oh, so. I just said I have never read X-Men comics. So, again, I'm coming up with these ideas without reading them. That's all I'm saying. But it doesn't matter because I don't really think it's going to go anywhere. Shyamalan's never really done sequels. Split, I guess, and this would have been his first ones. Traditional sequels, I guess, would be the yeah. term for it. And this well, one, yeah, I mean, this this is his first traditional sequel, right? Even, but even it's, I mean, it's of, a, it's a traditional. I guess. Well, it's it's weird though because no one's ever done like a triangle like this. Like Split is not a sequel to Unbreakable. It's a parallel. It's a connection. You know, there's glasses. The point. Here and then it breaks off and it connects sure. the other two. So. But it is a direct sequel to Split pretty, it is, pretty yeah. easily, right? I think that's more traditional. But otherwise, he's never done one. He's never done any other sequels in any of his other. He's never done the Avatar if it hasn't sucked so bad. Uh, I mean, that's probably true. <laughs> and maybe After Earth would have done one too. I don't know. But um, but I don't, maybe he just that's not for him, right? I mean, we have a million movies that have terrible sequels. Yeah. You know, maybe this is just. A, a, a more normal thing. It's more abnormal to have good sequels. It's true. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There, there are parts of it I liked. I, I had some parts I griped a bit about. Um, you know, that, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, okay, I guess it makes sense now, right? So Dunn's room has all the water stuff, right? Yeah. Well, if she never believed him to begin with, why would that be there was my question. Well, it's obviously because she did believe it. No, right. no, it's because he was scared himself of water, and so that they, 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 that's the way I took it, was that no matter what, he thinks his weakness is water, so if they have water, then that will make him think that he's losing to his weakness. It has nothing to do with them, really. Except that her whole goal was to rehabilitate him into no longer thinking that that was real. Right, but it's still a steel door, even if he's... Right, the steel you know, door I mean, makes sense, right? Because you just don't want the dude to break out. But the water part doesn't really fit with what she claims she's trying to do. I, I could buy that. I mean, yeah, I just, but because he's at the beginning, he still thinks that water is his weakness. So, I mean, that's playing into yeah. what he believes at the beginning. Maybe now when he's getting towards the th end of the therapy, sure. You know, the water is just Fine. more of a symbol than anything. And that was easier to buy for me than the secret society. Crap. I do like the idea that they perform surgery without checking any of their instruments. I yeah, would, I would that imagine wouldn't happen. That's not normal operating procedure. Like, well, it worked yesterday. <laughs> no, I'm in surgery. You know, twice a week we calibrate everything before it's used. We we would know right away if there wasn't anything. Also, um, 
those kinds of procedures that are done on people without consent or consent of next of kin are completely illegal. And his mom would have needed it, needed to say that it was okay. Maybe she did. No, because they made a rash decision to move it up after he was seen out of his bed. So. Well, yeah, but moving it up doesn't mean that she didn't okay it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're complaining about all these things about all the characters, the yeah. James McAvoy's character, um, the gripe I have isn't necessarily with his character, but they set up a scene that really served no purpose other than to like let him show off multiple personalities. The whole scene where she's standing there and the lights just keep blinking and keep changing... That didn't really serve That's any purpose into the story. Off. It was really just to, yeah, let him shine for a minute, which is fine. He did great, but I just it didn't really serve like, any plot she, purpose. I felt she, like it was a way to show people who he is without forcing them to have seen Split. Because, I, you know, if you didn't see Split, right, and you just see this glass movie, you may think it's a, a sequel to Unbreakable if you saw Unbreakable, but you might not be aware of Split. Like, that's the problem with doing this triangle, right, is you're going to have groups of people that definitely saw one and didn't see the other. Yeah. Right? And so you need to explain who everybody is. I just feel like she could have done both if she said, like, oh, I'm looking for Patricia, and then snap the light, and wait, is it Patricia? No, snap the light. Is it Patricia? Snap the light. Sure. That makes a little more sense, because that's who she was looking for at the time. Right. Um, He definitely wasn't shirtless enough. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, wasn't he shirtless like 90% of That was the okay. joke, right? Oh, okay, I got that there. That was the joke. I got there eventually. <laughs> now, Bruce Willis wasn't shirtless enough, clearly. That's in, true. In the movie. I feel like he didn't do the same kind of physical exercises that McAvoy did. I mean, probably not. Um, I don't really care for the poncho look. I feel like it's... It's a cape, though. It's supposed to be a cape. It's That's very... what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um. And Mr. Glass is supposed to be Prince. He's <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be Prince. <laughs> uh, I, like, I like the poncho in, the, in Unbreakable. And I like it in the original. And I mean, it's why would his character change to the, in this movie if it works for him? I don't know. I, I mean, guess I feel like if you're really going to start doing it, something more than a rain poncho would yeah. make sense after 20 years of doing it, right? No, like, you're like, telling me at no point anyone's been able to grab the poncho and throw him or something like his, that? Like His whole thing is, well, first of all, he fights shitty YouTubers. So, yeah, um, second, you know, the whole point is that since his wife died, he's really embraced this because he has nothing else. Yeah. That he refuses to change. He doesn't let go. He's still wearing his wedding ring. He, they still live in the exact same house. Like, so the death of his wife was really a setback for him personally. Yeah, I like the contrast of the fact that his superhero costume is a is a poncho, a military (laughs) poncho. Um, I, you know, every superhero movie has. There's a hero wearing three or four different suits oh, I don't and need all this other shit. No. Yeah. Just give it the it's poncho is very right. simple. It's a grounded thing. Sure. It covers your head. It's you know, it's what he wore. You know, back in the day. I don't know. I was fine with it. That Elijah's, uh, you know, purple suit and all this other stuff was much worse for me than. Uh, <laughs> I liked the way he looked. I thought that looked good at the end. Well, the fact that we he's the one that believes in comic books, he would want to be the more ostentatious sure. one. Like, it does make sense. Yeah. It's just kind of weird that, like, kept for 20 years his purple suit, you know, in yeah, this, in this right. asylum. Right. Not very far within, you know, too far out of his reach or anything. And he could just change really easily into it. 
Well, it was done off screen. I mean, I assume Patricia helped him or something. Wow, that would probably have been an awkward, you know. Or Dennis, I don't know what you know, but obviously the Beast didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right, so it had to be one of the other ones. But I was frustrated that they had all kinds of names for each other, like their Green Guardian and um, a few others, and then. Uh, voice character called Mr. Glass the Broken and Neil before the Broken and I'm like just pick a fucking name so, so th- that wasn't so he actually used that term in Split yeah. to yeah. the girl so he wasn't calling him like the Broken like a title as much as he's one of the Broken mm. which for him is what makes you pure like that was his whole thing in Split so that was at least what a consistent dumb motivation I mean, I'm not saying I, I, I like it I'm just saying it's be consistent be pure or I'm gonna <laughs> eat your tummy out like Jesus. well the weird thing is like it's it's the opposite right the idea is that in order to be pure you have to be broken is somewhat in contrast with what the general public probably sees as pure right um but I'm not really sure what, what that has to do with it. I don't know. If anything, you would think the Beast wouldn't want to fight Dunn because he would see them as being similar. Yeah, except all his other personalities need to see that he is, in fact, extra strong and extra fast and extra <laughs> climby. And he is. He does all those things. Yeah. You know, which is fine. Um, it is clearly very disappointing that all three of them die. Um I knew some of them would. It never occurred to me that all three of them were going to die. So I guess that's a surprise I wasn't you know, expecting. Well, it's because they can't afford any of them for the sequel. I think that's yeah. probably the problem, right? This movie, you know, for $20 million, I would imagine they most all of that was salary. Cut. <laughs> you yeah. know, right? Well, these, these are well, all... Well, there was only, like, two sets, so... Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um... There were the three rooms. Okay. The hallway. Yeah. The basement. Mm-hmm. The outside. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. So like two sets. They had That's to build two. <laughs> no, like all the rooms. I imagine it, it's a full functioning building, so they didn't have to. Maybe it yeah, was. I it mean, was an abandoned hospital. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I learned that in the press junket. Thank you. Okay. That's fine. I mean, I, I think it really came down to the salary stuff. Though. All three of these guys are A-list actors. You know. Um, Mac- Shyamalan is no longer an A-list director. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, he depends he, how much this movie makes. That's the thing. The movie's already at a hundred million dollars. Oh, so frustrating. You know, it's doing well. He, his Plus name he made a great Avatar movie. <laughs> his mean, name. The thing is, his name is not driving away people. People but are it's not, not bringing people in either. I mean, a hundred million dollars on a movie. I think it was Bruce Willis, Samuel Jackson, and James McAvoy that brought those people. I in. mean, maybe it is, but either way, he, his name is attached. He to did it. do a lot of press, which directors yeah. don't always do very they much don't. press. So the fact that he did was well, something. he's producer, writer, and director. So yeah. he's got a lot of hats. He's, someone's got. But get they don't usually camera. have writers and producers doing. But producers do a lot of that stuff these days. Okay. They're, they're becoming more of the voice of the movies now. I'm saying when people yeah. go to news stations to promote a movie, it's not usually a producer. It's usually the actors. Yeah, and the, the, yeah. The, M. Night Shyamalan was in a lot of talk show interviews, things like that. So that's what I found unusual. He's he's trying to... He was also in the movie, which took me right out of the movie. I know he cameos in all his yeah, movies. Yeah, he's been in all... <laughs> well, but, but, okay. it, but in this one, it was just, I don't know, I, it seemed very forced and very much took me out of the movie. I mean, I have come to expect it at this point. No, no quote cameo of his has been worse than Lady in the Water. So, 
never saw it, so uh, I don't know. Yeah, he basically saves the universe in Lady of the, the World. He becomes he's like the savior of the movie in Lady in the Water. Mm. So when you got Paul Giamatti as your lead role, and then all of a sudden he Shyamalan shows up, um, you know. But so letter grades? Are we doing letter grades, or is there anything C. else you guys want to say? You guys, are, is there anything else? Um, C. So yes, there is more that you want. Spanish. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I was actually going to say a C, yeah. So I, I, I'm surprised we agree on that. So I'm going I'm to go with the B minus. Okay. I, I enjoyed it. I would watch it again. You know, the twist at the end is obviously weird and shoehorned in on, on purpose to launch something new. But before that, that sniper shot happens, I really enjoyed most of the movie. So. All right then. All right, so that is the end of our episode. Join us next week for our review of Punisher Season 2. Hey. <laughs> we will be happy to dissect and criticize that. Um, Just in time for it to get canceled. <laughs> Ryan, where can people find you? What's your handle? On the internet, it's Buster Props. Derek, your handle? The Star Trek Dude. And I am Siren Ray. What? Oh. Anyway, you can follow Heroes Podcasts on all social media outlets at Heroes Podcast. You can follow each show individually on various Twitter handles, which are listed on our website. So check that out and listen to us, of course, every Friday on all podcast outlets. Or you can join us live Tuesday nights on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern. Totally do that. We love interacting with people. We do. All right. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night and good luck. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.